Poetry night. Four's a scary number. Poetry night rings through. Work your way up here, and we'll uh, welcome Natasha Miller to the to the stage. To half an hour. How are you guys? Are you good? Can you, does this work? Is it? Okay. All right. I thought it was just here for like comfort. I didn't know. Okay. All right. So, um, so I am Natasha um, T. Miller, and I'm here to to do poems. And uh, I'm glad you actually did like Sierra Demoter's poem because. She had just booked me for two shows over the weekend, and I missed both of the shows, and I felt really bad, but now I feel, like, more connected, like, you made up for it. Um, so I'm trying to, like, get in her good side texting her. Um, all right, so if you like, like, anything that I'm saying while I'm performing, like, you know, feel free to snap, feel free to clap. Um, and even if you don't, like, you can pretend, right? Um <laughs> I say this all the time, like my ex pretended for like a year, so it doesn't bother me at all. Um, so yeah, like I'm gonna start off with, I, um, like some of these poems I've never really read, and uh, this is one of those poems. I, I wrote it December 27th, and um, I was just online playing on my Tumblr, and this idea came to me about like what would happen if I was to die before my mother. And I wrote the poem, and it's called If I Happen to Die Before My Mother. And, uh, the next day my brother was murdered, which was really weird, um, really eerie. And it's two sides to the poem. It's called, If I Happen to Die Before My Mother, Instructions for My Friends Are on the Right. And today is what would, would actually be like, uh, the fourth month, like, anniversary of my brother being murdered. So I feel like it's only right to read this poem. So it's two different poems in one. And I'm only going to read one side, which is the instructions to my friends. If I happen to die before my mother, do not throw a funeral for me. Have a party. Sit around drinking my favorite whiskey, telling stories about how I only dated women who were beautiful enough to balance out how ugly I always felt inside. Be truthful about the lies I told. Burn the pictures that I hated of myself. Laugh about how I was a magician who was most famous for appearing to be okay and unknowingly disappearing inside of her own pain. Take a shot for every moment that you can remember me trying to make glass houses out of lovers who were crafted from plastic. Remember how I always treated my friends as if they were the only thing standing in between me and the fall and in return I only requested that they kept me human and life and alive and death talk about. How my cheeks were a slow sunrise that gave the moon and my eyes the day off every time that I smiled. Forget to mention all of the times that I called in the middle of the night speaking about suicide as if she were a terrible lover that I wanted to give another chance. Tell my mother that my love for her was so deep and so wide that she could have moved all of her fears inside of me without ever feeling like a burden. Clear my room of every item that made me feel less dirty. Give the ties to people who make choking look like rays of sun are wrapped around their necks. Throw up my mother a party. She deserves to dance. Stay with her until she stops calling my old number with hopes of me answering. No mother should have to bury her only daughter 
and sit through the funeral. Thank you. You know, it's really, really rough period. It was, uh, you know, like I said, December 28th, and I'm, I'm so thankful for like every stage that I get to touch. December 28th, you know, my brother was murdered. Then my birthday came around January 3rd, and he was cremated on my birthday. And then January 4th was his funeral, and then his birthday was 11 days later. So we were like 29, um, 30. But, uh, so I, I kind of took January off, and I came back to the microphone more so in in February but like every time I get to stand in front of a mic much like days like today like I feel like every 28th of the month I am in front of a different crowd and I feel like it's just God's way of saying that this is my healing process this is what's going to 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 help me through um so around the time that that my brother was murdered I wrote this poem for uh Sakia Gunn and it was she was an African-American lesbian woman who was married uh murdered in newark new jersey and every time i i ask an audience like do you know what sakia gun is like they never know and just thinking about my brother's story and all of the stories that are left untold about you know black bodies black murders i decided to to write a poem um for sakia gun and it's called the other black man um I have to get the poem first. This is my first time performing it without the paper. Let me get it. Um, The other black man, the other black man. Uh, Why do I not have this poem? So you guys make me nervous. Um, No, I want to do it without the paper because, like, the paper is, like, my go-to with it since I just wrote it. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to let it. I'm going to be great today. Hold on. Um, I, I got it. The other. All right. So when black girls who look like black men are murdered for not succumbing to the cat calls of strangers for not going home with men making promises of their penises turning us back into women for holding our girlfriend's hands tighter when walking past a crowd full of men who've had way too much rejection to drink and is looking for a fight and is looking for a dyke and is looking for a reason to use their judgment to paint the cement with our blood we are not remembered Our deaths are so unceremonious. We die in the middle of the night uh, at bus stops and dirty bathroom stalls. We are not remembered. They do not talk about us. They do not march for us. The feminists rarely start movements in our names. We don't even leave stains. We disappear. We prove that the answer for minority multiplication is society minus a triple threat. Three less questions to have to worry about answering joke. A woman, a black, and a gay all walk into the same bar in the same body punchline her life punchline her death punch her lying naked and beaten in the alley of that bar with the words nigger fag bitch burned into her skin using her last breath to ask god why her identity had to weigh so much they don't remember us sakia we are not woman enough not man enough to ellen not enough trayvon martin don't look like we bleed monthly there is no market for us No reason to believe that we could have been the next anything outside of shadows. Even our mothers can't figure out how to love us. Can't believe that God gave them three burdens as a daughter. Fathers can't figure out who to protect us from, who to show us off to, don't know which guns to teach us how to use. So they raise us to believe 
that Alzheimer's is a disease that society catches after everyone's death. There is nothing special about our forgotten except for the fact that we are woman, black, and queer, feared by the police, the people, the Pope who want us to take off our hoodies, our skin, our vaginas, our sexuality, and be more memorable. It's hard enough to get them to talk about our Oscar Grants. How dare us ask them to make noise for our Sakia guns, the other black man, the ones who chose to be this way, to look like we spent our lives practicing how to be targets. Black men are targets. We are just imitations, not even worthy of being considered trash, never wanted to be trash so badly to at least be noticed. We know that you are not going to stop killing us but at least have enough decency to leave records of our deaths, hang us on trees near streetlights, give us names, tell our mothers that you are sorry for their losses, even if you are not, just talk about us. The black girls who look like black men wearing a quiet death as a cologne, remember us, even if you are going to kill us, at least start a conversation after we are gone. Thank you. Wow. Um, so um so uh back in Detroit um I, I teach high schoolers I teach creative writing and uh I noticed that like a lot of the the young women in my classes are dealing with like a lot of the image issues that I was dealing with growing up like I've always been like like I've always been small um and I would always get people to come up to me and say, like, oh, my God, like, you're really skinny. Like, you're really skinny. Like, it was a compliment. And for a while, I didn't know how to take that. And it, it took me, like, so long to just be comfortable in, in my own skin. Um, and I don't believe in, like, body shaming or Im image shaming in any type of way. Like, no matter how big, how small, how in between. Um, I'm just not for it. So I wrote this poem for all of my students who who have yet to to, to come um to, to grips with the fact that they are whichever way they are and uh it's called my skinny bone on the days when you look in the mirror and your body is a tree clothes resembling leaves at the end of october falling off of your skin like there is a season changing in your limbs stand there when your lover watches you change into four different outfits in 45 minutes just to find something that makes you look bigger and still decides the first words out of their mouth will be about how skinny you are. Do not reach beneath the ribs that your flesh refuses to hide for a piece of fire that will equally burn down the home that their soul has been living behind. Remember that the average person refuses to accept that punchlines actually punch they love you they just don't know what it feels like to walk through life feeling like the main character in a game of hangman no one sees the nights when you stay awake apologizing to your bones for not being able to insulate them properly at dinner stop over ordering to fit out Stop using the excuse that you are a fat person trapped inside of a skinny person's body. You are a skinny person and you are not trapped inside of your body. This is the base that God has chosen for your stems, your metabolism. Ain't nobody's business but your own. It might be as fast as a cheetah on cocaine or as slow as a turtle making love to a snail on a fucking Ferris wheel. Stop looking. <laughs> Stop looking for excuses. 
Maybe you throw up after every meal that you eat. Maybe all of your weight goes straight to your hands or your feet. Or maybe it goes nowhere. Maybe you were born to be the closest thing to disappearing. God, a magician, you, a living, breathing, vanishing, act born. Not to just take up space, but actually here to create it. Bird, chest, eagle, wings, just as fly as those who weigh in. And those who always weigh in properly at their checkups. Then find it fitting to check up on how light your armor is. Like a scale can measure the size of your heart. Like your burdens ain't as heavy as theirs Like calling you skinny Is some type of compliment With nourishment attached to it Remember that you will always Only be as small as the last insult That you've digested Ain't nothing wrong with being underweight And being proud about it Ain't nothing wrong with being underweight And being sad about it You skeleton, you light post You bend for backhanded compliments You being called ungrateful but not always thinking it being small is a good thing. You sneaking behind everyone's judgment and buying protein. You sitting in front of your family's house on holidays, winding your eyes into a waterfall that runs backwards, preparing to still smile after the first you or two thin cocktails are thrown at your house of toothpicks. You standing in the mirror, body a tree. Clothes resembling leaves at the end of October falling off of your skin like there is a season changing in your limbs. Stand there. Tell yourself, you just wait. You just wait. We all just wait. Thank you. All right, you know what? Um... I'll do something. Huh? I have CDs. I do have CDs. Um, if you guys would like any, they are seven dollars. Um, but if you don't want any CDs, I give out free hugs. So you know, come get some. Love is free. Unlimited amount. See, oh, that's good. Then. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if if anybody happens to be going back south, like let me know because I'm trying to get back south. You are T. I'm ride with you. I just designated myself to ride with you. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so who does who participates like in uh, Throwback Thursdays, like? Okay, all right. See, um, so if you don't know what Throwback Thursdays are, it's like um, every Thursday people get online and they post pictures uh, of themselves like from back in the day. So I would get online and just post a picture of me like when I was like six or seven or something like that. Um, I don't do it, right? So as a child, I've accepted. I was terrible looking. Um, I, I blame my mama. I'm not mad. Uh, but, you know, we've both grown. So uh, I'm really not mad. But my cousins, they refuse to, like, accept that I don't like the way I looked as a child, right? So without my permission, they, like, tag me in these pictures every Thursday. And it's so painful. It's so painful. Because it's like all of the people who know me now and didn't know me then are getting like a peek into my life then and they respect me less. They're like, oh, you look like that? No. Uh, right. No, I'm, I tried to uncousin my cousin. I was like, you know what? That's the, that's private right there. Like, I'm not even going to unfriend you. I'm just going to get rid of you out the family. Um, so, uh, obviously, I couldn't make that happen. So what I did was I was like, you know what? I write poems. So, um, I am I am going to write a poem about everybody who participates in uh, Throwback Thursday. Okay, <laughs> he's so proud of it. Did you invent it? He's like, yo. No, I was <laughs> <ashamed>. <laughs> I was right. 
<laughs> I don't have those. Um, all right, so I'm like, like my throwback Thursday would look like next Thursday. I will post a picture of this Thursday. Like that's my thing. Um, <laughs> but I'm still growing, so whatever. Um, all right, so this is called a throwback Thursday. One day, your whole life will be a throwback Thursday picture. Our grandchildren will laugh at our outfits, the bow ties, the skinny jeans, the t-shirts that we thought were cool, the ones that we're wearing now. While we tell them stories of how we sat across from lovers, ignoring the hunger in their eyes to take pictures of the sushi and the whiskey that made us more numb, how our mothers told us jokes that we tweeted about before laughing that it'll be a struggle to provide the punchline, tell them about how we Facebooked our heartbreak long before we healed from it, how nothing was ours, how everything was shared, how the internet was a time capsule that held all of the emotions that our bodies were too cowardly to experience. We'll tell them about that one time when we were so unhappy in love Yet so in love online, how we cropped out reality, filtered in fairy tale, made ourselves too beautiful to acknowledge the ugly and lived like everything was all right. Like every like really made us more likable and every comment made us feel less alone and how we thought every friend was really our friend and we were adding friends while losing friends and our parents were getting older and our grandparents were dying. And we were too busy checking our emails to notice that we, we were so empty while our inboxes were so full. We were using our fingers to run away from our feelings. We were immensely alone, but too occupied to see that everything on this side of the screen was turning into rusty bike chains. Our bellies will be swollen from the regret of not kissing enough, of not talking too much, of too many times of parking our happiness in the garages of other people's opinions and needing their validation to retrieve it will be Sunday morning in mailboxes constantly checking to see if God sent us back all of the moments that we gave away to be noticed and nothing will be there we'll be stuck trying to remember the passcode to our own reality with not enough data to tell it correctly thank you um all right, so I've I've been doing this thing. Um, it's called trying to use the internet less, and um, the re <laughs> the reason is like um, the internet turned me into a stalker, right? Um, <laughs> like it wasn't a real life stalker; it was just internet stalker. It was like I pop up in your chat, but not your bushes type thing. Um, and and it was it was only on my ex, right? Um, like for some reason in my head, we were like going through a breakup. But it had been like six months past the breakup. My ex was in a completely different relationship. But since we still had pictures online, I was like, we still going through it, right? Um, so untag yourself if you don't want to be in it. So while we were going through this breakup, I was like stalking my ex's Facebook all day, every day. Um, and while I was stalking my ex's Facebook page, I saw that my ex was like, it was around Halloween. And my ex was trying to figure out what to be for Halloween. And I had all of these suggestions but I wasn't supposed to be on the page. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a poem, hope that somebody YouTubes it, and then next year you'll know what to be for Halloween if you look on the internet. Um, and my ex didn't take lightly to those suggestions at all. But if you happen to like be friends with your ex and want to give them suggestions like about what to be for next Halloween, this is called Halloween Suggestions for Your Ex-Lover. <sighs> Dear Ex-Lover, 
while routinely stalking your Facebook page yesterday, I saw that you posted a status about not knowing what you should be for Halloween. And since I'm so nice and know how hard it is for you to figure out which person you want to be every day, I, I, actually, I actually took the liberty of writing down a few suggestions. You know what you should be for Halloween? You should be honest. For Halloween, for, for Halloween, you should be something crazy like the person I fell in love with. While, while all the other women are dressed like nurses and bait for horny vampires and werewolves, you should flip the switch. Shit should get real. For the first time in two years, you should wear the costume of a woman who is in a relationship. You should be monogamous, mature, trustworthy. You should go down to Walmart and see if they sell any face paint that makes you look less like the monster that you are and more like a person who actually gives a damn about other people. Um, <laughs> while in Walmart, my ex hates me. Well, in Walmart, buy yourself a wand. Your costume needs to have a wand. And when people ask you what your wand does, slowly wave it in front of your face and tell them that it reveals the real you to potential lovers. Hell, you can even have a combination costume. You could be super sober, celibate, don't give my number out to other people, can be trusted from this day forward, marriage material, everything that I presented myself as, no more cheating on my lover, Catwoman. <laughs> Don't go to any haunted houses. You've charged enough strangers to be beside you. Stay home. Pass out candy. Put a sign on your door. Only my ex-girlfriends are allowed to trick-or-treat here. You know what you should give us? You should give us all our hearts back. Me in particular, in my bag, you should put the $6,804.36 that I spent flying across the country to see your lying ass every month. The pieces of yourself that you promised belong to me. The large amounts of my pride that I left back in July. And my favorite t-shirts that you've probably been wearing to bed with other women. Save yourself the trouble. Don't stuff any more lies in my bag. Don't pass out deceit this year. Understand that it is okay to be treated and not always tricking others into thinking that Halloween comes once a year when this is an every relationship thing for you and you probably couldn't pick your skin out of a lineup of failures that you've sewn together with your own pain be brave this year don't be the victim know that the best thing you can be for Halloween until you learn that love is about much more than just playing dress up is not in a relationship thank you um yeah my ex <laughs> hates me um i was like because i'm so disrespectful like i went into my ex's um home venue to perform and they booked me to feature like right after the breakup and i was performing it It was a bad idea and i was performing at home and like half of the audience was like going crazy and i was like oh my god i'm killing it and they're like half of the audience started like walking out and i was like oh my god i'm killing it so hard people are leaving um and then later on my ex called me like that was my family and i was like oh sh i don't care you shouldn't have cheated on me um <laughs> <laughs> Did they buy CDs? <laughs> um, so I'm working on this, this album, and the whole album is called How to Make a Living Off of Your Ex-Lover. Uh, and it, it, and it's all poems about my ex. It's like, well, if you like gonna break up with me and cheat on me, like, I'm gonna get paid. Like, um, so look out, look out for that, look out for that. Uh, other projects that I'm working on, um, I'm working on a documentary that I just screened in Europe a few months ago. Um, I'm producing it. It's called Transparent. And, uh, you can go to transparentdoc.com to uh, check out the updates on the film, to check out the trailer of the film. And it is a documentary 
about a transgender teen that was murdered in Detroit a couple of years ago. She was used as a informant by the police. And then the police told her drug dealer that she set him up. And then he came back and he murdered her and he scattered her body parts around different parts of the city. So we've been working closely with her mother to tell the story of Shelly Hillard and a lot of uh, transgender teens from Detroit. And once again, it's transparentdoc.com. If you guys want to keep in touch with me, I am Natasha T. Miller on Facebook. Um, you type in Natasha T. Miller, you can find me um, pretty much probably anywhere. Um, I was in Vogue last month, which is really cool. And I was just featured in the entrepreneur magazine this month so if you guys happen to check those out you'll see me in it um so yeah so that's been great um all right this is a poem that i have um i know you guys have other poets so i'm gonna i'll end on this one and let you guys have the mic um this is a poem that i wrote for my nephew my nephew happens to be like one of the most fierce like five-year-olds i've like ever had the pleasure of of being around um and if you want to know like what what his personality is like like i don't know if anybody ever like maybe got drunk and tried to dance right like you couldn't dance before you got drunk but then you tried after you got drunk see he's like the person that can dance without being drunk um but he shouldn't be drunk anyway because he's five right but he's like really good at like dancing and singing and just everything and it all skipped me and went straight to him so i'm really jealous but I just, it's like you can't beat him, join him. So I, I hang with him all the time. And um, I noticed that he's coming into himself and a lot of the people around him, they, they like to, 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 to push off um, these negative images on him. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you dance, you sing, that's too feminine, that's too girly. And they make him feel really insecure about the things that he was born naturally to do. So I wrote this poem for him and all of the struggles that he, he might endure growing up. And it was really a poem to, do you guys know that Elmo came out? Okay, all right. I feel like every time I say that, I like ruin somebody's childhood. I'm like, Elmo is gay, and they're like, what? I'm like, we all knew that. Um, it's Elmo. Like, to say Big Bird, it might be like, for real, but it's like Elmo. So I wrote this poem around the time that Frank Ocean came out, Elmo came out, and um, uh, and I was thinking about my nephew. So it's a poem to Frank Ocean and my nephew. The day that Frank Ocean came out, not much was interrupted. Hip-hop was still hip-hop. The sun slept where the sun normally sleeps. Little Wayne was still kissing Birdman in the mouth. Hip-hop was still hip-hop. The day that Frank Ocean came out, my four-year-old nephew sang, Thinking About You, My Eyes Don't Shed Tears, But Boy They Ball, when our Little Wayne was thinking of the most clever line ever about being gay to put in a rap song, I'm straight, no Frank Ocean hip-hop was still a bloody Rubik's Cube where grown men would rather die next to the majority than struggle to connect with their own colors the day that Frank Ocean came out. Elmo was preparing to literally leave Sesame Street with a bang. Big Bird threw up in Oscar's trash can, thought about all the times he gave Elmo a ride on his back, unwed women found another reason to say that all of the good black men are either married, gay, or in jail. The day that Frank Ocean came out, my nephew was walking around the house in heels and mistakenly applying eyeshadow to my lips. D.L. Hughley tweeted, Seems to me, sissies 
should be way down on the prayer list the day that Frank Ocean came out was a few days before his CD came out. I guess hanging yourself just feels better when you get to kick a pile of money and not a chair the day that Frank Ocean came out. Lawrence King was still dead. A 13-year-old gay boy was somewhere tweeting his suicide letter and killing himself as a Christmas gift to his father. Two dykes in Texas Park were shot to death by holding hands with their lovers. Ignored the day that Frank Ocean came out. My nephew was walking around the house in heels and thanking me for not telling his father how much he likes to dance to Beyonce and I was adding his name to that prayer list hoping that we never have to prove D.O. Hughley right the day that Frank Ocean came out Uganda was still Uganda preparing to pass a kill the gays bill no one gave a fuck Frank Ocean gained two million new Twitter followers his CD instantly labeled classic because of the way that he used pronouns Frank Ocean was out being gay still wasn't in and I held my nephew tighter than ever that night prayed that God would somehow turn my hands into a set of time machines that could always touch him back to being for not liable for his sexuality just in case he ever had a day like Frank Ocean's coming the day that Frank Ocean came out we focus more on the mystery of his first lover than the bravery of his letter we played it safe we kept Frank bisexual so hip-hop could still be. Thank you, guys. That is my time. I am C. Miller. Free hugs. Um. Freaking great. Natasha Miller. That's it.